Chapter two part six of Commentary in the Gospel of John Book ten by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Reverend Thomas Randall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. twenty. Remember the word that I said unto you A servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also after having first then shown that the hatred his followers would incur was honourable to them if justified by the occasion for it can well be borne nay it is even thrice longed for when it happens on account of god who is able to set men above hindrances he removes that which as god he was aware would induce them to be slow to be willing to devote all their energies to the duty of preaching the heavenly doctrine for whereas disgrace and danger follow for the most part those that are bent on teaching whenever their words are not found agreeable to those whom they admonish and besides persecution is incurred their message sometimes not being received he vigorously and earnestly exhorts them to be prepared for these things and very ready to meet them this too he has set forth in other words saying woe unto the world because of occasions of stumbling for it must needs be that the occasions come but he exercises an entire control over them representing his own condition in this respect in order that they may not aim at what is greater nor be found behaving unseemly after a different manner but necessarily as it were following in the wake of the glory of the lord may be anxious not to be above him he signifies to them that they will meet every kind of opprobrium saying the slave is not above his lord for me he says wicked men assailed with unbridled tongue and leaving no kind of insult untried they called me a man possessed of a devil and a drunkard and the fruit of fornication yet i did not immediately seek their punishment but not being cut to the heart by their insults i vouchsafed unto my hearers the word of salvation do not then seek out of reason your own aggrandizement nor scorn the limits within which your lord was bound who lowered himself to such humiliation for us to benefit all therefore it makes men superior to the bitterness of speech and the impiety of those who are accustomed to find fault as indeed also the blessed prophet jeremiah when harassed said with respect to this very thing my strength hath failed me by reason of those who curse me while the inspired paul showing still more nobility of character under the like treatment and gaining a great victory over the impiety of those who insulted him says being reviled we bless being defamed we entreat for to love to contend against such things as these is the work of a mind humble of spirit according to the scripture and adorned with a truly modest temper for long-suffering and forbearance spring up and arise as though from a good root especially at such a time but the inability to endure words of provocation or any kind of ill repute whatever among men would give a clear proof of an understanding that loves boasting and of a disposition but little estranged from the love of worldly glory 
for what injury can insolence inflict on him who is free from pride and how shall the reviling of any one be grievous to him who aims not at worldly reputation he well exhorts us to have a mind that goes beyond this most worthless reputation i mean that which is the object of worldly honour and that mounts far beyond such things as these but he forearms them as it were with a necessary safeguard so that they may be willing to manifest such a spirit and sets before them an argument which thrusts aside the contumely that results from weakness namely that which we mentioned at first the following in the wake of the glory of the lord and with joy confronting everything that comes in its season until they attain to glory through god not being bowed down by dishonour like a feeble laggard nor checking the boldness of their teaching and neglecting the divine commands when they are bitterly reviled but rather to lay hold of love towards their brethren and to hasten in every way to help those that are astray persuading them therefore to shun the temporary honour of the world that lies immediately before them he makes another earnest contention useful and necessary for if he says they persecuted me they will also persecute you and the drift of this is allied to his previous words he still therefore persuades them to endure suffering and removes by anticipation the weakness caused by the reflections that naturally arise in us for there was no doubt that the disciples of the saviour incurring the anger of the persecutors of the truth would fall into the terrors of persecution but it was very right for them to reflect that when they preached the message of the glory of christ they would at all events partake of the riches of his mercy so that they should think nothing at all a hindrance in the way of so desirable a zeal but should rather appear superior to all panic and danger having nothing painful to undergo but rather exulting in the honours that all men would bestow on them as ministering unto them the word of salvation and it was a perfectly right object that those who were anxious to call men into eternal life and were found to be messengers to their hearers of blessings from god should expect this and seek to be included among men so blessed but as every man inclines his own purpose in the direction of his wishes and directs it to suit his will and pleasure it was the more necessary that it should be pointed out that those who are hostile to the truth and are subjugated by the pleasures of vice must fight through conviction with those who call them away from the objects of their pursuit for lessons which have this object are not pleasant to those who love pleasure it remained then of necessity to show what they would have to expect from those who being ranked among their foes would persecute them and insult them and try every kind of assault christ therefore exhorts them to confront this boldly not denying that it will happen and because his followers ought to show a manful spirit he instructs them and foretells the dangers they will encounter for if he says they persecuted me they will also persecute you this is just as if he had said i the creator of the universe 
who have all things under my hand, both in heaven and on earth, did not put a bridle on their rage, nor restrained as it were by bonds the inclination of each of my hearers. But I rather left to the choice of each his own course, and permitted all to do as they liked, and therefore I, when persecuted, endured it, though I had the power of preventing it, when therefore ye also are persecuted enduring for a time the aversion of those who hate you and not being too much troubled by the ingratitude of those whom you benefit following in the wake of my dispensation pursue the same course as i did that you may attain the like glory for those who suffer with me shall also reign with me and by the third edition if they kept my word they will keep yours also he bids them not to be disheartened when their teaching is sometimes not received and he does this also excellently and well for he who has been appointed to this work thinks that he has lost his labour if any refuse to obey his words but the case is not so let no one think that it is for how is that possible for the adviser who has once spoken and set forth the knowledge of what is good has done that which was in his power the rest will depend upon the disposition of his hearers for it is easy for them to turn each to what he wishes either to obedience or the opposite those then who are our guides to the best life must not shrink back so that they may sow in the reprobates the word that is able to profit by divine power and may be able to order aright what we cannot attain unto by their faithful ministration a thing which we find well practised and brought to perfection in the distribution of the talents for one is found taking ten and another five and another two and besides this yet another taking one who disdaining to use it for commercial purposes buried the talent in the earth and for this reason it was said to him thou wicked and slothful servant thou oughtest to have put my money to the bankers and at my coming i should have received back mine own with interest for just as those who have been trained to agricultural industry and who have this object in view cutting up the land with the plough and then burying the seed in the furrow leave the rest no longer to their own skill but rather entrusted to the power and favour of god i mean the taking root of that which is cast into the earth and nourishing it up to perfect fruit so i think the expounder of the noblest truths ought only to distribute the word and leave the rest to god the saviour therefore gives his advice in this matter to his disciples as a medicine for want of spirit and a cure of listlessness for do not ever choose to shrink, he says, from continuing to teach, even if some of those who have once been admonished should make of no account the teaching that has been given them. But finding that even my words are often not received by many, do not strive to surpass my reputation, and following in my steps in this also, lay aside despondency and this instruction was very necessary to the holy apostles since they were about to preach to all men the message of god and salvation and therefore the inspired paul 
as having been nominated to his apostleship by christ has shown himself to us a man of this kind and is often seen to attain manliness herein for it is easy to show that he thought he ought to despise the love of honour and to treat persecution as utterly of no account while he considered it of great importance not to be too faint-hearted even if some entirely refused to receive the word that was once scattered among them for he writes to some ye are wise in christ but we are fools for christ's sake we are weak but ye are strong we have dishonour but ye have glory even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst and yet again besides these words we are made as the filth of the world the offscouring of all things even until now so you see then that he was above worldly repute on account of the commandment of the saviour but showing his nobleness in persecutions he said who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword he writes also to others that to speak the same things to me indeed is not irksome but for you it is safe and yet again to the galatians my little children of whom i am again in travail until christ be formed in you you hear with how little hesitation he repeats the same message though the first that he had originally given had not gained acceptance and well says that he travailed in birth for some until the forming of christ in them should appear and his preaching affected this moulding his hearers into the love of god and into the likeness of christ by faith twenty one but all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake because they know not him that sent me he declares that those who choose to act impiously against his holy disciples will do it on no other plea than my name only for this is a reproach against those who honour god and an excuse for setting themselves against them on the part of those who do not know him but since it is clear to all that no one would suffer anything for the sake of god without reward for a glorious crown will await them he incites them again to courage and makes their spirits steadfast thrusting aside the misery of that which they expect by the hope of the return he points out then that the very perils they endure are gain and an object of prayer and rids of all its terrors that the very prospect of the occurrence of which might stupefy some and exhorts his disciples to welcome it with the greatest eagerness and indeed when they were once summoned before the impious council of the jews and had been severely buffeted with stripes for the sake of christ they went forth from the presence of the council rejoicing according to the scripture that they were accounted worthy to suffer dishonour for the name of the lord and of a truth they earnestly exhort us to endure suffering in this cause and in no way to be dismayed by it even if we have to encounter any pain for christ's sake for let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evil-doer but if a man suffer as a christian let him not be ashamed 
but let him glorify God in this name. Most pleasant, then, is suffering for Christ's sake, and sweet is peril when its presence is occasioned by love towards God. But consider how here again, showing himself as one with his father, he says that neither the Jews nor those who were about to persecute the preachers of the name of Christ knew either the father or the son. For he who deems it his duty to dishonor the son is avowedly a hater of the father, not indeed as transgressing against another nature, but as insulting the true dignity of his natural divinity. For none could be convicted of insolence against the son if he respected the nature of the father, and if he were at all acquainted with the actual nature of the father, how came he to be ignorant that he was begotten by him? And will not he who spoils the fruit produced from it injure the parent tree? Sin against the Son, therefore, is a convincing proof of ignorance of God the Father. But whereas he did not say, Because they know not my Father, but him that sent me, I think he wished to hint at something of this kind. His aim, as it seems, was to show that those who practiced persecution against his devoted servants plainly tied their heads, as it were, in a noose of a double transgression. For not merely, he says, will they be convicted of ignorance of my origin, or be justly condemned on the charge of atheism, but will actually be found rebuking the true wisdom of God the Father. For if he sent his own son to raise that which had fallen away, to renew that which was worn out, to set forth life to all in the world, while those in the world set themselves against and impiously oppose such as choose to preach him the Saviour of the world, they will be very clearly convicted of ignorance and of fighting against him that sent me. For by the expression being sent, he introduces a clear proof of his incarnation. But he that is ignorant of him that sent me shows by this very fact his ignorance of God, and dishonors the mystery of my mission. 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin we may take in two ways the meaning of the words before us. For if any one should suppose that this passage was directed against Greeks and Jews alike, we say that unless the divine and heavenly message, I mean the gospel, had come to all that are on the earth, pointing out to each individual the way of salvation, and making plain the works of righteousness, their complete ignorance of what is pleasing to God would perhaps have been a strong reason in each case for the pardon of those who are not eager in pursuing virtue. This ignorance of theirs makes them seem worthy of pardon. But whereas the word of the gospel has been directed to all men, what reason for pardon is there, or with what words should anyone address him that judgeth, when accused after knowledge of the worst crimes? But if the Lord is saying this concerning the Jews only, as having very often listened to his teaching, and as being in no way ignorant of what he commanded them to think and do, let him illustrate it thus. 
they will not endure your teaching he says but will bring upon you trials and persecutions and will devise against you every kind of terror and from their bitterness will be consumed with an unjust hatred against you not able indeed to charge you with any wickedness but blaming only your love towards me but searching as it were for an excuse for the cruelty of their madness and diminishing the baseness of their love of self-gratification they will actually cite moses and the books of moses and will pretend that i was an opponent of their ancestral laws but if i had not come and set forth commands superior to the law given by moses if i had not fulfilled it by many words showing that it was now high time to pass beyond mere types and that there had been enough of patterns and shadows but that the hour had come in which the truth itself should shine forth if i had not shown this from the law itself saying in the clearest language if ye believed moses ye would believe me for he wrote of me if i had not made it clear that my word harmonized with the testimonies of the prophets and that the power of my presence had already been predicted and proclaimed they would have had reasonable grounds for their madness against me and you since nothing has been left out but everything that was essential has been said the reason which they have devised to cover the nakedness of their sin is vain this consideration then i think should harmonize with the words of the saviour but in showing the terrible charges that will be brought against those who injure them and in saying that those who dare to do such things will one day be chastised he removes the greater part of their grief and wisely withdraws that which was likely to cause them no small pain for the conviction that the workers of wickedness will pay the penalty of their crimes sometimes makes it possible to those who are injured to endure their wickedness and knowing this the master of all things says vengeance belongeth unto me i will recompense saith the lord nay even the blessed paul himself when struck by one of the high priests had no other consolation for the bitterness of suffering than this that we have mentioned for what did he say god shall smite thee thou whited wall this then is a medicine for human weakness i mean the expectation of the punishment of those who have chosen to act unjustly our lord however is superior to and above human littleness when he was reviled he reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not according to the scripture but when struck on the face he made no angry remark nor threatened the man who dared to strike him but answered indeed with the greatest mildness and forbearance if i have spoken evil bear witness of the evil but if well why smitest thou me the word then of the prophet is true who shall be made equal to the lord in the clouds or who shall be likened to the lord among the sons of god twenty three he that hateth me hateth my father also he makes a definite charge of atheism against those who choose in the impiety of their minds and the estrangement of their hearts to hate him and the charge is a true one 
for those who dishonour the son will not be guiltless of transgression against the father convinced of the justice of their hatred for just as those who depreciate the shining of the sun because it appears and exists for no necessary purpose bring charges of uselessness and direct their censure also against its author and just as whoever sees fit to despise the scent of flowers will cast reproach on this account against that from whence it was derived the case will be the same i suppose with respect to the only begotten and his father for it is impossible for those who censure what proceeds from anything else to praise its author for this reason christ said to the jews a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit when he further told them to make this accurate and unexceptionable distinction in this matter either make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt for whatever one could truly predicate of one of such things as these that i suppose he must necessarily make applicable to both for when there is one nature surely the attributes are entirely common even though they are capable of separate manifestation and whatever a man might do against what proceeds from any fountain that he would plainly do against the fountain itself wherefore christ says that he that hateth me hateth my father also and he appropriately attributes a reference to the person of the father to any charges that men may make against himself and he will none the less satisfy us by this discourse that he is not distinct from him by reason of the complete identity of their natures and besides he terrifies his hearers by showing how very perilous it is to choose to transgress by hating him and he assures them that the man who rejects his worship will be defenceless and an easy prey to his enemies inasmuch as he insults the person of the father himself for since insolence against his son affects him too he will also be offended is it not quite clear that the reception of this belief raised the confidence of his holy disciples at the same time christ illustrated another essential and profound truth i mean this of which i will speak some thought in their unparalleled madness and excessive folly that when they were transgressing against the son and opposing the words of the saviour they were giving pleasure to god who was the giver of the law and while they continued to confer the meed of victory on the prophetic dispensation of moses they showed themselves true guardians of the love of god it was necessary therefore to show the falsity of their boast and to teach the world that those who act counter to the laws of the saviour set themselves as it were against the entire divine nature insulted in the person of the son by their contumacy and by their persistent and inexcusable disobedience which he clearly declares is not merely aimed against his own person but also affects all who preach the word for him and through him he then that enters upon opposition against the holy apostles themselves is an enemy of god and shows insolence towards him and is altogether hostile to the ineffable and unspeakable nature of the divine being for the apostles do not preach themselves 
but the god and lord of all that is christ end of chapter two part six